Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the I Believe podcast. Um, I am joining you again with, uh, we have another specialist here to talk with us about eye exams, because if you did not know, August is actually National Eye Exam Month. So if you follow our social media accounts, you've seen a lot of the patient stories that we've shared of patients and their diagnosis stories of like what happened in the eye exam when they were diagnosed. So if you haven't seen those stories, please take a minute, go to the Instagram page, go to the Facebook page, share those. Um, it's just helping us to spread awareness about ocular melanoma and why it's so important to have your eyes dilated and checked. So we actually were able to connect with Dr. Christy, um, Christy Wynn from Florida through LinkedIn and just social media channels. And she was gracious enough to come on to the podcast with us and just give us her two cents as an optometrist and, uh, kind of one of the people on the front line of ocular melanoma. If the, if it is found in her practice, like she's one of the first people who would see it. Most of us are diagnosed in an optometrist's office or in an ophthalmologist's office. So, um, Dr. Wynn, can you just introduce uh, introduce yourself? Tell us your background um, as a professional, a mom, an entrepreneur, and let's get started. Sure. Thank you, Danette, for having me. Um, so, my name is Dr. Christy Wynn. I practice here in the Orlando area for the last 18 years as an optometrist. Um, I do mostly contracting work, so I work at many different types of office settings, and that allows me to see many different types of patient um, de- um, ba- like backgrounds. And um, so I'm also a wife and a mom to two girls, one's in middle school and one just entered high school. And I have two dogs, so I keep myself very busy doing a lot of different things in the eye care industry, from being an eyewear brand ambassador to working with different magazines um, and just uh, working with different um, the organization within the optical industry. Well, thank you so much. And I feel like it's it's such a powerful thing to see like and to hear you talk about, you know, the fact that you're a working mom and that you are also a professional. And um, from what I can see on, you know, on your social media pages and the things that you've shared, you do such a fantastic job of just just showing how you can you can juggle things and kind of step into different boxes. Um, so I applaud you for that. <laughs> thank you. Um, so what drew you to optometry initially? Like, why did you become an optometrist? Well, I grew up needing glasses and wearing it for since the fourth grade and moving onward. So I know what it feels like when I get my, you know, brand new pair of glasses or brand new pair of contact lenses and seeing the actual leaves on a tree, because I used to draw my trees just as big bushes. I didn't realize there were actual leaves on there until I got my glasses or contact lens. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize there were those details. So knowing that and, you know, in middle school, I started praying and trying to figure out what I wanted to do as I grew up. And um, I was uh, called to become an optometrist because I didn't want to deal with blood and I still wanted to help people see. So I was like, what is the best profession to do that other than being an optometrist is I can give patients an instant gratification to see more clear than when before they came in to see me. I can literally do that with a pair of contact lenses or a new pair of glasses at every single visit. So, I mean, how rewarding can that be? 
No, that's so cool. And I'm like having deja vu because I got glasses when I was eight years old. And I remember the same, like I literally said the same words to my mom. I was like, mom, the tree has leaves on it. And she looked at me like funny, like what? And I'm like, yeah, I could not see the leaves. There was no definition on the leaves. So, I mean, like I, I kid you not, I said the exact same words to probably the same person who gave me glasses and my mom. And it was just, yeah, very funny experience, but that's really how it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. So talk to us about like the kind of patients you see on a regular basis. Um, Who comes to an optometrist for an eye exam? Literally from children all the way up to elderly. I mean, my youngest patients have been what, three years old. My oldest was over a hundred. So it's a very large mix of uh, patient care that I do provide. So everyone I would do a little bit differently. And I also see special need patient base as well. So it's very, very unique on how I do different types of exams for the kids, for somebody who doesn't speak English versus somebody who may have a mental uh, challenge where they can't, you know, reply back to how I'm performing the exam. So, you know, it's catered. So I do cater all my exams specifically for the patient that walks in so that they would all feel like they're getting a good eye exam. Okay. Oh, I love that. I think that's, that's really, um, just a powerful part of your practice, I'm sure. So I, um, I appreciate that. So can you talk to us about the difference? Like for those of us who don't know, like what's the difference between an optometrist and an ophthalmologist? So an optometrist go through, um, optometry school for four years, learning the primary care of eye care, uh, versus an ophthalmologist does four years of medical school, then they do residency of at least three years before they specialize in any particular thing they want to specialize. Optometry does have an option of one year residency as well to specialize, but it's not a requirement at this time. So you can think of an optometrist as somebody who does prime, who is their primary eye care physician who doesn't operate on and do surgery in most states. Some does, uh, in some states they do. Um, however, ophthalmologists are certified to do surgery on basically all their patients. Okay. Now that makes sense. And that's kind of a good way to explain it is, and and I guess it goes back to your reason for selecting optometry in the first place. One deals with blood. One does not. Exactly. (laughs) Patients ask me all the time, can Um, you do my cataract surgery? like, no, no, no. You don't want me to do it. No, I don't do that. (laughs) Okay. So let's just talk about like, in your opinion, clinical experience, why are are routine eye exams so important for all people, regardless of if they have a vision impairment to begin with? And that's a great question. Um, a lot of patients, just because they see well, doesn't mean their eye health is doing great because things are, you know, things in their body when it's changing, sometimes it shows up in the eyes as a last call for help or just as an early call for help. And if you're not coming in to getting your eyes screened, I mean, we're not just checking vision, we're checking health from the front of your eyes all the way to the very back of your eyes. Did you know that your eyeball is the closest organ linked to your brain? I mean, like, that's how close, and we can actually see your blood vessels in your eyes. You can't see blood vessels anywhere on the body, other parts of your body, other than through your eyes. So we can very, we can see so deep inside your eyes and, and look at different things that we can detect early changes of stroke, of diabetes, blood pressure, tumors, uh, you just name it. We can catch all that and we can just see to the back of your eyes. Um, but if you don't come in, we can't do that. So if you wait till your eye is bad, chances are it's too late. Um, you know, you want to come in before that so we can do uh, damage control or even, you know, prevent damage to occur. Oh, that makes sense. And I think that's, that's a really powerful way to explain it is just this idea that eye care really is 
it's less about just the can you see, right? It's yes. I think we we kind of culturally have come to this point where an eye exam is treated as a you get glasses if you can't see, and your eye exam is to check you like you look at the letters and that that's it, like that's mm-hmm. an eye exam. Yep. And so, can you just kind of like walk us through a typical eye exam, like just like a an eye health exam that if you were to have someone you've never seen them before, a new patient. What are some of the steps you do as far as like testing the health of their eyes in addition to their vision? So the first thing we want to do is get a good history because your history can pretty much tell us what your problem is. Um, so just asking the right questions. And then during the whole eye exam, we're doing additional testing to kind of figure out if that truly is what is causing the issue that you're coming in for. So after the, um, the case history, we want to go ahead and check your vision. Because again, sometimes vision can tell us if something else is going on in the back of your eyes or even in the front of your eyes. Then after that, we assess not only your eye muscle movements, uh, we're checking for binocularity, we're checking for peripheral vision loss, we're checking for pupillary responses that could you know, have some kind of impact to your brain if the pathway is disrupted. We're also looking for um, your anterior health from your eyelids to your the white part of your eyes, the cornea, then the iris, which is the color part of your eyes, how we're looking through that to your lens to see if there's any cataracts, then all the way to the very back of your optic nerve uh, for glaucoma, your macula for macular degeneration, the outer part of your retina for retinal detachment. So we're literally going from all the way from the front to all the way in the back, just making sure everything is working together. So in your practice, um, and I guess for like the majority of optometrists, um, for someone who's coming to an optometrist for an eye exam, what are kind of the the main tests that are done? Like the names of those tests. I know there's there's dilation, um, but then is there like do you guys kind of across the board have um, like I know I know I had like retina imaging and ultrasounding done, but that was with a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys have kind of like a baseline technology for retina imaging? So when you come in for an eye exam, we do the, usually the um, technician does some of the um, preliminary tests, such as obtaining the intraocular pressure of your eyes to help screen for glaucoma. They may or may not also do visual field testing, depending on the office to check your peripheral vision. Um, And we'll also, again, get a baseline for what your prescription may be. Then we also offer the dilated eye exam that is usually recommended on all new patients and pretty much every other year in a healthy patient. Um, and every year in patients who may have some type of systemic issues. The reason for the dilation is just so we can have a bigger window to check your eye health. Without putting the drop in, as soon as we shine the light on your eye, your pupils shrink down a couple of a millimeter or two. So that's all that we get to see through to assess the health in the back of your eyes. So we're really not seeing much. We can miss so much without putting that drop in. So I know the side effects is blur near vision and light sensitivity, but that wears off in three to six hours. So literally just opt for it. Then we get this big window to look through and assess the health in the back of your eyes. Some offices do offer retinal imaging and there's difference in the there's different types of retinal imaging. There's one where they're just taking a digital image of the, the back of your eyes. There is other combination cameras where it actually does something called an OCT or optical coherence topography. And that what that does is it actually measures underneath the layers at your macula for earlier detection of bleeding or swelling at the macula. And sometimes things can show up near that central area of your vision that can be picked up on that, um, on that imaging that can't be on a regular retinal imaging. Okay. So in your opinion, 
if someone's like going in and they're opting in for say a dilated eye exam, this is mm-hmm. maybe their first eye exam. They're just, they're hearing this podcast and they're like, okay, I should get my eyes checked. Um, would you recommend that they have dilated eye exams alone? Or do you think there's a benefit to having both the, the imaging if possible and the dilation? I would recommend both if it is offered. The reason for that is you have to think of a dilation as allowing the doctor to use both eyes to assess the depth of what's going on in the back. But the retinal imaging can give them additional information that they can't see with their naked eye. So a lot of time, if you have the two together, you're going to get the most comprehensive uh, exam. However, again, not all offices offer the retinal imaging, but if they do offer it, definitely opt for it. It's only an additional $25 to $39, but hey, I've picked up, you know, a non-melanotic um, lesion that was very large in the back of a patient's eye because it was picked up under the retinal imaging that I did not see with my naked eye. But that patient did not dilate their pupils, but luckily they did the retinal imaging and we picked up this small irregularity. So we ended up dilating his pupil and then there was this large, very large lesion in the back. So I had to refer him out to make sure it wasn't suspiciously like a tumor. Mm. So like I said, when it's amelanotic, we may not see it with just a dial, you know, an undilated exam, but because he opted for the retinal imaging, it was something that we were able to pick up. No, so I love that. So it's kind of like they can cross-check each other. Yes, yes. Um, and that can be so important, right? Because like you said, mm-hmm. humans, human eyes can only see so much. And Correct. there's certain things that a computer can pick up differently than we can. So it's kind of um, like going to your dentist and not getting an x-ray. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. <laughs> going to your dentist, get the x-ray versus not. Yes. Um, definitely a benefit to doing both. I Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit as we're kind of nearing a close. Can you just talk to us about, um, it's I believe it's also Children's Eye Exam Month. It's National Eye yes. Exam Month and Children's Eye Exam Month. Yes. So I remember as a kid, the first time I went in to have a full, like, you know, workup, comprehensive eye exam was when I started having vision problems. Um, that was when I was eight years old. And by then it was pretty bad. Like, I mean, like, like we said, I couldn't see the leaves on the trees. So mm-hmm. is there a benefit to having children's eyes checked earlier than maybe what the norm is when they enter school? So they do offer like pediatric screenings, um, especially if there is a family history of some type of eye issues. Usually those kids go in at around, you know, at birth, they probably already got their eye screen and maybe at two years old. But for the most part, if there is no family history, I usually have the patients come in around five, right before pre-K, when they start to kind of know their letters or numbers or even pictures. um, So we can get some kind of response from them. Um, Because what we found that, you know, with the new addition of electronic devices that a lot of schools are incorporating, patients are hitting that myopic shift a lot sooner, meaning they're becoming more nearsighted. So if we can prevent that nearsighted growth as they get older within that first 18 years, we can delay things such as early cataracts, early glaucoma, and early retinal detachment in patients who may develop a larger amount of nearsightedness. Um, So there's a, a... a big group of doctors who are doing something called myopia control on some of these younger kids so that they are not developing that nearsightedness that could lead to some of those complications earlier in life than instead of later. Oh, I think that's, that sounds like a very like reasonable explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that makes sense too. I think I remember like the first time taking one of my kids in and it was I don't remember if it was before or after my diagnosis, but it was around the same time. And it was kind of contingent on the, do they know their letters and numbers? Can they like Mm -hmm. give us, can they give us some feedback? Um, Because I think that's kind of part of the, part of the eye exam process is that there has to be kind of some level of interpretation. Even if they, even if they don't, if they can't respond, we can still Mm -hmm. obtain an objective finding 
uh, we can still check the eye health. So again, if there's any family history of any problems, you can always bring them in earlier. But like I say, around four or five is where most optometrists will be comfortable seeing children, um, only because they're a little bit more difficult and take up a little bit more time in the chair. Um, so if you go into somebody who doesn't specialize in children, they may not see them that young. Um, but again, we're also checking their eye health. Kids do not know what bad vision is. They can only they can only show you that they don't like to read anymore. If they used to love to read, they will lose track of where they read. If they may mix letters and they could be pseudo um, dyslexic, but it's all because they may need reading glasses. So school screening only tells you if the patient's nearsighted, not if they're farsighted and may need reading glasses. So there's also you know issues with eye turns and eye muscles working together as a team when they're trying to read. So it's really important to take your children in early because they may not know to tell you that they have a problem. And if you're not picking up that they're having some near issues, then you may not see it either. So it's always mm. good to treat them when they're young, when their muscles are more um, flexible, so you can actually groom them to becoming stronger. No, that makes sense. I have a, I have a friend who her son um, had an eye that it was, I, I, think it's, I think it's the amblyopia is the name of it, but it was, it was like an eye condition that I think it was, it was maybe a genetic one that was kind of passed down family history wise, but they didn't know it was something that could have been passed down until it had already affected his vision. And one eye was shutting down. Um, they were able to like kind of correct it, but it was, like you said, it was because he was young enough that things were kind of malleable and they could shift it. They could, mm -hmm. they could make adjustments with his vision and kind of reteach his eye to see. Yeah. Um, it's and I interesting think that you mentioned that because I'll be, that's part of my eye trivia this Wednesday. <laughs> oh, well, that's crazy. Okay. Um, well, if people want to connect with you more or if they're in the Orlando area and they want to come and get an eye exam, um, how's the best way to find you? Sure. So they can uh, just Google me on the Google page. I work inside of CI Eyewear in Winter Park. They can see me there. Um, if not on social media, I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram um, at Dr. Christy Wynn, and they can just find me there as well. Awesome. Well, Dr. Nguyen, this has been fantastic. Um, I feel like you did such a good job of just really succinctly explaining this. Um, and I appreciate all that you're doing. I can see like all month long, you've just been talking about it all month long, talking about eye exams and why it's so important. So just, I mean, from, from a patient with a rare eye condition, like to a doctor, like I appreciate all that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I think educating patients is the first part of uh, getting them into yeah, the eye. No, for sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, is there anything you want to say as we close? Um, just make sure you get your eyes checked annually. Like I said, sometimes things show up in your eyes because your body is not doing well. And if you don't come in, we can't see these things. So, you know, refer you out to the appropriate uh, specialist to help you manage it. No, I think that's so important. So for those of you listening who are patients, obviously you've already been in an eye exam, share this with your friends. This episode yes. is for you to share with your friends. Um, and if you are listening as one of those friends, please get your eyes checked. It's so important. Yes. Well, thank you so much. We'll thank see you guys you. next time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.